far-right politics are very much a part of the Ukraine government as it's currently constituted, this coup government, this puppet government. So stories have emerged over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, of Ukraine's treatment, the military's treatment of Africans, people of Indian descent, in, uh, Indian nationals, as they try to flee the country. There's actually a Ukraine-only, Ukrainian-only policy in terms of getting out of the country because there's, it's not a huge number comparatively, but I think there's there's state there are reports saying there are about 150,000, 160,000 people trying to leave. They don't want to be in the area. Don't know where they're leaving to, but they're in the they're trying to leave the area where the fighting is happening. So I want to share the story, uh, a video, just a minute long. Of what's happening to African residents in Ukraine as they try to leave. So these are these are residents of Ukraine from South Africa, and they're being treated this way. We're at the um, border of Medica in um, Poland. This is the separation that has been happening, whereas Ukrainians are treated better while the Africans aren't. We've been pushed, we've been shoved. We are denied access, and there are so many of us compared to the Ukrainians. Ukrainians get special treatment while the Africans are waiting outside in the cold in big herds. You get people from Congo all around here, a lot of Africans. You get um, Africans from Rwanda here. It's just a mess at the moment. So there you have it. That's one example. And actually, Business Insider did an article that I'm going to share here quickly about this as well. Sometimes Business Insider will do some okay reporting. I actually appreciate them using my statement as is. So here we go. African students fleeing the Russian invasion. I wouldn't use those terms, but the operation say they have predicted they have been prevented from crossing to Poland due to Ukrainians first policy. Thousands of African students in Ukraine found themselves trapped following Russia's intervention. Some have said they've been discriminated against as they try to flee. They say they've been prevented from crossing the border as Ukrainian authorities prioritize Ukrainian people. So that's the reports that are coming out, that thousands of African students live in Ukraine to study medicine and other fields at more affordable prices. And a student in Ukraine, Corinne Sky, who helped coordinate escape routes for hundreds of African students trapped in the country, told Insider that some have struggled to get on buses heading to the border. Some people have gone to get the buses, but they're not allowing black people basically on the buses. They're prioritizing Ukrainians. That's what they say. One African student who reached the Ukraine-Poland border wrote on Twitter that Ukrainian police and army were refusing to let Africans cross. Watch how they are threatening to shoot us, they say. So let's watch this video. So there's someone in there screaming, we don't have bombs, okay? So... That's happening to Africans living in Ukraine. And that's important because I think it just demonstrates 
how we are being propagandized to believe that the Ukraine regime, the coup government, is some kind of quote-unquote civilized force. It's a democratic force. It's all of this. When in fact it is nothing but a puppet government. It's nothing but a reflection of the very imperialist and racist global system led by the United States. It is a vassal state. And the way it has behaved towards Eastern Ukrainians, the people of Donbass, of Donetsk, of Lugansk, demonstrates that in just one instance. But there's just so many more examples from what I said about the Azov Battalion, that the Ukraine National Guard literally sharing a Twitter post from the Azov Battalion of calling Chen Chen, a Chen Chen organization, orcs. And using pig lard to wrap to to grease their bullets that they're going to use against a majority Islam practicing people. I mean, this is this is what the Ukraine regime is. It's a puppet government. We should not be aligning with that. But this hashtag stand with Ukraine hashtag uh, save Ukraine. All of these hashtags only serve to propagandize us further into actual war. So Russia's military operation, call it what you want. I am awaiting evidence of mass civilian casualties and the complete and utter destruction of actual public infrastructure and institutions, which is characteristic of an actual invasion, right? NATO bombed Libya's water facilities. Schools, religious institutions in Syria have been bombed by NATO. U.S. drones have bombed weddings all across Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen. That is a war crime. That is a literal war crime. That is what imperialism is all about. We have not seen those reports coming out of Ukraine. So until I see that, I am not reserved. I am reserving my judgment in that way to make this false equivalency. Because I don't think that equivalency actually exists. And I'm going to share with you something positive that has come out of this military operation, right? Which I do not claim to be 100% in support of. I think that Russia does have real true reasons to conduct this operation. And I believe that context has to continuously be discussed and be part of the conversation, right? This larger problem of NATO aggression, this larger problem of the U.S. meddling in the affairs of Russia, as well as the broader region, the broader Eurasian region. That has to be discussed as what actually lit the match and lit the fuse, not just merely Russian aggression, Russian aggression, which unfortunately a lot of the left has adopted. So while you're here, while I'm sharing, please like the stream. Please hit the notifications bell. Please subscribe before you do that, because then you have to subscribe first, subscribe button, then notifications bell. And also consider supporting my work at patreon.com slash Danny for any monthly amount you will help sustain this journalism. So our good friend, Brian Berletic, shared a video that we're going to watch about how Russia's military operation has actually done some good, especially for the people of Crimea and the ways in which the Ukraine government was cutting off water 
resources. So Russia ends another of Ukraine's war crimes. Fresh water flows again to Crimea. So let's listen to this as the last thing I share for this stream before some closing comments. Regis crime through its military. The Western media would have you believe that Russia is committing some sort of egregious crime through its military intervention in neighboring Ukraine. But as a matter of fact, Russia is putting an end to several very serious and ongoing crimes committed by the regime in Kiev installed in power by the U.S. in 2014. Crimes that began in 2014 and have only just ended because of Russia's military intervention. First and foremost was Kiev's relentless war against the Donbas region in eastern Ukraine. This left 14,000 dead on both sides, including over 3,000 civilians. This crime has been brought to an end by Russia's military intervention. There's another crime you might not have heard about because the West deliberately covered it up. It was the Ukrainian government deliberately cutting the Crimean Peninsula off from its source of fresh drinking water. 85 to 90% of Crimea's water came to it through the North Crimean Canal. This was dammed by the regime in Kiev since 2014, and it has since denied the 2.4 million inhabitants of the Crimean Peninsula fresh, safe drinking water, as well as water for agriculture. This is a crime against humanity. The Western media covered it up, but they would at certain times admit it, but just to brag about how much trouble is creating for Russia. Like this Bloomberg article right here, Crimea's water crisis is an impossible problem for Putin. Well, I guess not, because this is the Russian military blowing that dam up and once again allowing fresh water to flow to the 2.4 million inhabitants of the Crimean Peninsula. This is another crime against humanity carried out by the Western-backed regime in Kiev that Russia's military intervention has brought to an end. And one you will not hear mentioned in the Western media as they continue trying to bolster support for a government that has done so much damage to its own people and to its neighbors. All right. So there you have it. Brian Berletic says it's straight. Sets us all straight. Ukraine was cutting off essential resources like water from eastern Ukraine to starve the people into submission at the behest of the United States, at the behest of NATO in Europe. That's what it was doing. And now that has in some ways come to an end. So we... So some are saying that they hear an echo. Sorry about that. Do you hear an echo now? Hold on one sec. Okay. I, I don't know if you're hearing an echo. I can't hear myself. I don't have headphones on or nothing like that. So there should not be an echo anymore. I ended the screen share. So that's it. Okay. I don't know. Okay, it was the video. Sorry about that. Okay, let's just move on. All right, I have about 10 to 15 more minutes to share with you all. So just some closing remarks about what we learned today. And while, while you're listening, please drop a like. Please boost the stream in that way. Please subscribe to the channel. Please hit the notifications bell. And of course, the way you support my work is not through, you know, Anything except patreon.com slash Danny Haifong. Yeah, I'm trying to keep this ad free, etc. So 
to conclude, what we are witnessing is a massive psyop, a political act of manipulation by the forces of empire to get us to support Ukraine's coup government, similar to how in 2014, the United States and its NATO allies worked overtime through direct support and through a propaganda war to get us to support the Maidan revolution, quote unquote, the color revolution, also known as a revolution of dignity, that overthrew the democratically elected government of uh, Viktor Yanukovych. That is the point here. And until we get evidence of Russia's massive wrongdoing in this military operation to Ukrainian people, ordinary Ukrainians, right? And I don't doubt that there might be some unfortunate incidents that occur from this, right? Especially given that the Ukraine paramilitary groups, the Ukrainian military, its installations are embedded with the people. I mean, this is part of the strategy that a lot of puppet governments take, especially underdeveloped countries where they have a heavy countryside that does not support advanced infrastructure. They have to be located in the cities. This is part of political economy and understanding how underdevelopment, understanding how imperialism impacts countries like Ukraine and creates pretty devastating conditions such as these, where, where somewhere like Kiev is so heavily concentrated in terms of all of the capital that exists in the country and thus is the only place that maybe that can support heavy military hardware and installations. That's just how it is in countries like this. Well, in the imperialist orbit, the West likes to use its, its advantages economically to actually hide its military from the people in a lot of ways. It does its best to enforce a heavy security, securitized regime while at the same time concealing what that securitized regime is doing to ordinary people in the United States and the West. That is why most of the military bases in the United States, they don't tech, they're not technically in places where you would expect to see a lot of activity from ordinary people going on as well, whether you go to New Mexico or Texas or even Massachusetts, where I'm from, uh, they are tucked away. And now we live in an era, of course, of militarized police. So a lot of the militarization has come to the fore for heavily populated areas as well. So this is where we're at, guys. We have to see how these negotiations go. I, for one, despite all of people's pessimism about this moment, you know, and there have been concerning developments, right? The more that the U.S. and NATO continue to aggressively respond to Russia's military operation, the more that things like Russia putting its nuclear, its defense forces in charge of its nuclear arms on alert, right? That That's going to happen more and more as things like this happen more and more. And we have to expect in a new Cold War scenario where the United States is provoking and instigating these kind of crises that something like this can happen. Now, I wasn't expecting Russia to do this necessarily. I thought that the United States would just continue to escalate its sanctions regime, militarization, all of that, but that Russia would broker through its independence 
uh, declaration of recognizing the independence of the breakaway republics would broker some kind of policy that would be sustainable for itself and uh, those that they support, right? The, the, the LDR and the uh, DPR, the LPR and the DPR, the two breakaway republics. But we cannot, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't predict everything. So a lot of us were incorrect in some respects. But now that as we look at it with a sober lens, look at what's happened, it's quite clear that every solution was, every other solution was exhausted, right? And we have to promote that understanding that Russia from the beginning of these rumors, three plus months ago, Russia is going to invade. Russia is going to invade. Okay, we're going to send, right? What did the United States do? We're going to send 100 millions more in military aid, lethal aid. We're going to uh, continue to send these weapons, and Ukraine is actually going to escalate, which happened. More than 100,000 troops went to the eastern Ukraine to escalate the war on Donetsk and Lugansk and Donbass in general. Russia, since the beginning, was saying demilitarize. Stop it. That's all we want. Do not admit NATO into Ukraine, demilitarize the situation, and we can go on in the same way that things have been going on before the intervention, before the escalation. And what did the United States do? Well, Joe Biden in January said, basically gave the middle finger to Vladimir Putin, said, nope, we're not negotiating anything. And then after that, there wasn't even any consideration for Russia's requests or demands, so to speak. So that in and of itself shows how shallow people are to jump on the anti-Russia bandwagon, to jump on the new Cold War bandwagon and say, this is Russia's fault and they, there's nothing that can explain its actions. It's, it's its fault alone. That is shallow analysis. That is decontextualizing the situation that only serves imperialism.